Good evening, I'm Tabby Tyler. And I'm Kate France. Today we'll be discussing the cereals crisis and the Home Depot conundrum. So grab a beverage. It's time for a night in. I got hit up by Wikipedia again for money in a very polite email. And it wasn't like NPR where they stop their regular programming. Yeah, there's uh, nothing quite like that quarterly NPR hostage standoff. Give us your money or you'll never see the news again. We'll give you a one-year subscription to the New York Times for your $200 contribution. And also a coffee mug and a tote bag. Oh, my God, it's like I wish they. I wish I had all all the money in the world. I would just like pay off their their annual drive. Which because I love NPR. Yes, but like, I just, just I want to listen to the news. But like, Wikipedia is much more delicate in the way they ask. They're like, <laughs> we know that you use our services, and uh, we really appreciate if you tell people how much we mean to you, and then also give us some money. That'd be cool. Yeah, and and it genuinely is a service that we use every single day, especially in my household, which is why my husband has donated to Wiki several times. Honestly, I I use Wikipedia daily multiple times, and it's really easy to take for granted their value, seeing as how 200 years ago your access to knowledge was dependent on your ability to own an encyclopedia. Yeah, and, and owning that access indicated that you're a class above, either through wealth or circumstance. Yeah, and it's, it's incredible the amount of information accessible to anyone through the site. And think how brilliant their business model is. They're crowdsourced. Right. And just so you know, you can feel pretty confident using Wikipedia as a general source uh, because a group of German researchers set out to test the accuracy of Wikipedia, specifically in regards to the accuracy of their pharmacology articles. They found that Wiki was about 99.7% accurate, which is pretty good. But though these articles are pretty accurate, the completeness is where they're lacking. And those articles were generally only about 83.8% complete. Mm, Yes, but it's what's available to the average layman doing a web search. And unless in the case of like pharmacology, unless you have pharmacology textbooks or access to academic journals, Wikipedia serves as an adequate resource. It's interesting, though, that you bring up access to journals, because the publication that put out this study is actually free to the public. Very nice. Yes. Uh, P-L-O-S-1 plus one. Plus one. I I don't know if you're supposed to spell it out or say it, but I've decided that I'm calling it plus one, (laughs) and I'm going to use it as often as possible. Um, But they're a nonprofit academic journal, and they allow anyone access to peer-reviewed research. The contributors pay to have their papers published, and it's run by the Public Library of Science. Yeah, and even though that type of business model gets criticism because paying for publication may create an information bias, it does work as a method to overcome the serials crisis, which is a term I should probably define. So the serials crisis is in reference to the ever-increasing cost of access to peer-reviewed scholarly journals, I guess serial publications. 
The problem is nuanced, but seems to be rooted mostly in the annual cost of the journals increasing at a rate exceeding the annual cost of inflation. So as inflation increases by about 2.5% each year, the price of cereals usually goes up 5 to 6% per year. And the result of this is that many universities and public libraries cannot afford subscriptions to as many peer-reviewed journals. Just this year, the University of California decided not to renew its contract with Elsevier. This is a leading provider of peer-reviewed um, academic journals, where just a year before, their subscription to the publication cost them $11 million. Woo! Okay. Yes. And, okay. And the cost-prohibitive nature of academic journals extends beyond major universities. Many universities in developing countries cannot afford to subscribe to any academic journals and rely on open access journals for, or even uh, pirated publications, such as uh, Science Hub, SciHub. SciHub is amazing! Uh, I'm sorry, but modern day intellectual piracy is awesome. And <laughs> I just, I like that she's openly referred to as a pirate. In my opinion, Alexandra Elbekian is a hero. Obakyan is a Kazakhstani graduate student, computer programmer, and as you said, described as a pirate in hiding and science's pirate <laughs> queen, which anyone who is a modern day pirate queen is my queen. Yes. Uh, she is the creator of, as you said, SciHub. SciHub. Mm -hmm. SciHub is basically a site that provides free access to millions of research papers and books by bypassing the usual publishers. Well, just by completely disregarding copyright law. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, she was actually sued by Elsevier. Yeah, and they won <laughs> for that and many other legal reasons. She's actually literally in hiding right now, which is why she's the internet's pirate in hiding. Well, it's very interesting because a different publishing company, Nature, mm -hmm. considered her in 2016 to be like one of the most influential people in science. I mean... You can't deny that she is, even if she's stealing from you. <laughs> it because if you're looking at universities in developing countries relying on not only open access journals, but pirated journals so that their future scientists have access to accurate scientific information. Up to date scientific yes. information. I, I, she's I mean, more of a Robin Hood than a pirate. You know I like what I mean? that analogy. She's not hoarding this knowledge and burying it on an island somewhere. Mm -hmm. She is distributing it to those who don't have access. Although she is making money. Okay, well, you know, Robin Hood had to pay for all the merry men to eat. Like, that's, girls that's gotta true. live. That's true. <laughs> Listen, Maid Marian's not that interested unless he's bringing home some cash. And I don't blame her. <laughs> This metaphor has gotten away from it us. It really has, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, though, that open access journals are often criticized in scholarly circles as being low quality because they do not provide the same kind of peer review process or prestige that comes with the more established 
paywalled publishing companies. But here's the thing. This is exactly where people get the snooty intellectual archetype from. Academia is very exclusionary. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's classist in a way. A for-profit college system and a public K-12 through system that doesn't really teach the academic language leaves those who can't afford college incapable of accessing most peer-reviewed papers and most discourse in academia. Opening the literature to the public breaks down the carefully constructed barriers. The divide between those who have access to academic materials and those who don't is rooted in many systemic disadvantages towards minorities in the United States and many, many other countries. Generational wealth versus generational poverty, linked with systemic racism and sexism, keep academia very exclusive. This is, however, part of a bigger problem. Using education to discriminate. Education is exclusive in our society, but also in our society, only those with an education have intellectual value. This is perfectly illustrated by the common internet ar argument. When someone states a cogent argument, but uses grammar quote-unquote incorrectly, their use of language is attacked as an indicator of their intelligence instead of their argument. But grammar is a part of an exclusionary education system, and in truth is not a true reflection of intelligence, especially if the language they're speaking is a secondary language. An ad hominem attack effectively. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, I noticed this a lot in my profession working in a hospital. I have coworkers who are English as uh, English as the second language speakers. There are doctors who speak English as a second language, and I, I find a lot that sometimes the people that we're taking care of will say awful, awful things like false equivalencies. Like they don't speak English well, so they clearly can't take care of me well, you know, or you know. They don't know what they're doing if they can't speak English or something like that. Awful, awful things, which is, it's mind-blowing. Well, yeah. I mean, it's incredible that you can look at somebody who has learned an incredibly complicated profession mm -hmm. that's so multifaceted and learned it in not just one, but two, and sometimes here in South Florida, three, if they yes. speak Creole as well, mm -hmm. languages and think, well, they don't know what they're doing, or they're stupid because their English isn't flawless. That's astounding to me. But it gets even worse. Of course it does. Yeah, this same discrimination towards communication is often directed at the disabled or those on the autistic spectrum who may not use language in the same way at all or, you know, quote-unquote correctly, but they're in no way intellectually deficient but they get treated that way as a result of bias. You know, it's a real shame, though, that we've run into that issue where open access journals are considered lower quality than ones behind a paywall. And though this is technically true, since paywall journals are naturally um, more inclined to have better peer review, more inclined to get you more prestige... It is becoming an insurmountable problem in academia where universities can't afford paywalled journals. And so people in library sciences are pushing for a more open access system, which as a result 
makes access to academic journals and peer-reviewed journals uh, easier for even lay people who are not going to university. Sure. And that helps break down the exclusionary barriers exactly. of academia in general. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a step. It's a facet of it, but it's an important step because you and I have talked about how any knowledge and inva- and advancements scientifically, culturally, those should be open to the public to build upon for free. Which is a very interesting conversation of its own. But I ultimately think we we are correct. Our opinions are correct. We're on right. This. Yeah, <laughs> that that education is accessible to everybody. There's the idea that a journal put out by a scientist in university, the idea that that's like pr- proprietary knowledge and it belongs to them and you should have to pay for it. But uh, you brought up a good point when we were talking about this privately that. Libraries are free and open access to to the public, and this is this is a cornerstone of our knowledge base. And sure, you know, is the ability to access public public published works and learn from them, mm-hmm. no matter where you are in the socioeconomic scale. Correct. Yeah. So I. I I don't think necessarily that scientific research is proprietary. I think that it should be accessible to everybody. And again, even though at this point in the system, paywalled journals are considered higher quality and and better, and we're still suffering in a sense by that like I don't want to I don't want to say ivory tower or like snooty academia, but the idea that there is a divide. Yes, absolutely. But I think this needs to be overcome. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and if we spend more time investing in open access journals and increase the amount of people who are contributing to them, over time, they will get better. And the risks that people talk about, like, there's always the risk with open access journals that Somebody's just going to pay to have some garbage study submitted and it's, you know, just like a biased garbage study that's not really valuable because I mean, the people the people reviewing them aren't necessarily well trained enough to vet them to, mm-hmm. you know, but filter those, out the nonsense. Those paid for studies still happen and still get published even in higher companies. quality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's going to be an inevitable part of the culture and the the and the industry and it's just something that we're going to have to deal with but i honestly think that in this case the end justifies the means yeah i mean uh, we have not we have not solved the cereals crisis in the same way we solved the bathroom problem no we handled that perfectly really well. yeah <laughs> This one's a little more difficult. No, but we're it's just still, saying there's a problem. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want to bring this to your attention. <laughs> be aware. Yeah. You can't look up journals as easily as you should be able to. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. 
I'm Rachel Reed, and this is Model Memoirs, an unphotoshopped look at the daily life of professional models. I'll be taking you behind the scenes, discussing everything the glamorous fashion industry doesn't post about, including stories, skills, and secrets I've collected over a decade as a working professional model. Sharing what it's really like to work as an average model in the fashion industry. This is Model Memoirs. Welcome back. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I feel like after like a commercial break, we need to like reintroduce ourselves. Welcome back to the show. Again, I'm Kate France, and this is Tabby Tyler. And, and I'm... that was quite the mood shift, wasn't it? You yeah. know, whatever commercial it was. <laughs> um, if you do notice a sound difference, it's because we have three people in the studio, but we only have two mics. Yes, we'd really like to introduce you to Sean Pierce. He's our guest this evening. Yes, he's our male witness. Sorry, you can say hi. Hi there. He's also our uh, hostage. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know it, but he's tied to a chair right now, being forced to testify on behalf of his entire gender. We we have our uh, cow prodders, and if he gets out of hand, we're just going to spark him back in the line. (laughs) My ears are open and and, uh, like a clockwork orange. (laughs) Um, no, no, he's here. He's here actually, believe it or not, of his own volition. Yes, he (laughs) volunteered for this. Um, but we brought him here this evening because Kate and I had some interesting experiences over the weekend. I'd like to say unfortunate experiences. Yes, they were bad. They were bad experiences and they should feel bad, those who inflicted them on us. And it's not always, it's not just over the weekend. It's like every single time I go to... Home Depot. Depot. Thank you. I'm so glad you caught on to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to add, like, reverb to that. Home Depot, Depot, Depot. Home Depot. <laughs> but honestly, I I don't know if women have the same experiences I have. But every time I go to Home Depot, I am geared up for just uncomfortable situation. It's like prepping for battle in the parking lot. I have frumpified myself to the point of no return. Nobody can talk to me. Like, there's no way. If anybody talks to me, they are just clearly desperate because I am wearing a baggy t-shirt and baggy pants. I specifically have not put on deodorant. (laughs) (laughs) But then they smell your pheromones. Oh, no, no, not the pheromones. Approach. (laughs) But what was your experience this weekend? Well, I had to go to Home Depot about 12 times this weekend because I uh, acid-stained my living room floor and didn't know what I needed until every time I was there. Um, But, first of all, there's the blatant cartoonish checkout where they look you up and down and the eyes bug out and the the exorcist head turn when you're walking away. But it was more like every time I stopped in an aisle for too long to determine which product I wanted... I was approached with assistance, I guess, from people who do not work at Home Depot. Right. They were always at least 35 and male, Mm. no one younger than me. This was always older and male. And they would come up to me and say, hey, you know, need some help figuring out which one you want? No. No, I don't. I'm fine. I'm just picking a brand. I'm okay. Thank you. And or um, so what you working on? I'm in an aisle by myself in this store. Why are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. You know, and and this time, 
I was not, you know, asked out or, or hit on in a very blatant way, but it's happened before. And it's more like every time I experienced this at least twice this past weekend, where some man would approach me with unsolicited advice. My, my experiences at Home Depot are usually one of two possible outcomes. One, I'm being hit on in an uncomfortable way. For example, for me, I was buying cinder blocks and I was, this was two days ago, and I was picking up the cinder block and putting it into the cart. And a man walks up to me and he goes, you need help with them cinder blocks? And I go, no, you know, I, I got to get them home on my, on my own. I think I can do this. And he was like, Mm-mm, honey, I don't like seeing a girl work that hard. You know, nah, women should be home doing what they want to do, relaxing, you know, hanging out with the kids. And I'm just like, uh, Sean's face, <laughs> if you all can see. <laughs> and of course, I am polite, but nothing I say makes him go away. So I eventually just like get my cinder blocks and walk off. And then the other experience I have is uh, it was actually with a Home Depot employee. I was buying a tool and I go through the whole process of finding the tool, asking if I have the right equipment for the tool. And then the man saying to me, all right, off you go. Uh, You're going to get help with that, right? And it's like, at what point did I not give you confidence in me? Like we had very (laughs) competent conversation up until this point. And now you're thinking that I cannot do this. Yes. And and, and what about me gave you that indication? Hmm, I wonder. Mm. <laughs> so, Sean. Okay. Why? So, uh, the, there are a few points to touch on in this. I'd say the first one is the blatant sexuality and the hitting on that you both discussed. And then the second one is more akin to the last thing you were saying where, the, where you feel like you're unable to be accepted in the community there and you're an an outsider that people are not accepting and they feel like you can't utilize the tools and you don't have any product knowledge and you're, you're not even supposed to be there. Why are you there? Mm. Um, so the exclusionary aspect is one thing we could talk about and you guys can probably tell more experience of that, not just at home Depot, but in many facets of your life from school to whatever. Um, but the first one, the sexual one is something I, I was thinking about while you guys were talking about this. You expect to be hit on at a bar. It's not, you know, nobody should expect to have to be forced into uncomfortable situations. But if you go to a bar, there is a social lubricant of alcohol. It's kind of designed to be a way for people to get socially lubricated enough to talk to one another Mm -hmm. and seek out romantic situations. And have the confidence to talk to somebody. And have the confidence. Yes, yes, I agree. Alcohol is called liquid courage for a reason. reason. Well... When you, I'm going to go through like a thought experiment. If I'm a 35, 40-year-old guy who maybe is single still, and I'm a, a tradesman, and I'm surrounded by other men, and I'm in my place of confidence, and I see an attractive woman, this is a unique situation for me where I'm not on a job site with a client, I'm not at home alone or at a bar, but I have confidence in the things I know, and I can... This is my in. And I'll say that most men, 
and this is my opinion, and I'm not all men, as we had discussed previously. <laughs> he, he is the not all men that yeah. you have heard of. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean it in a different way where it's not like I would never do such a thing. I'm saying sure. that I would do this. Like, I imagine that if I have an opportunity and I feel a confidence, then it, I will. it's my in in a conversation that I find attra- somebody attractive with. So... That, that's a that's a basic thing. So like the most that's innocent, why they approach. You're that's saying. the most in, the method of which they try hitting on you. I'm sure varies wildly from the <laughs> the stare at the person from around the oh corner to the <laughs> to the uh, walking up or the saying some cheeky thing like "Hey there, sexy lady" or whatever. Mm. But um, that's an in by individual basis by whoever they are, whatever their upbringing was. But the reason you get so many of these passes is probably because you guys are in a unique situation where you're with men who feel confident as if they were at a bar, but without alcohol. Yeah. So that's that's my opinion on that situation. Um, you like entered their jurisdiction. Yeah. Or it's like they feel like they've got the icebreaker in hand. Right. Like this is the, the Yeah. Absolutely. The hardest it's kind of like it's a it's a science thing there's a potential energy to be able to initiate a conversation. You have those jackasses who will scream at you from the edge of the car but then they drive away quickly most of the right. time. They don't pursue it. So they they'll throw out a statement and then they'll drive away. But in this situation, not only can they make the blatant sexual pass, but they could follow it up with knowledgeable advice or whatever, you know what I mean? Or an offer to assist, which is an offer to spend more time with you. Uh And unfortunately, it's an offer you can't refuse because it's not in a situation where you can just throw the screws that you have in your hand at them and run down the aisle. (laughs) You have, there's a certain level of social I mean, I'm going to do that next time. Next time, just fling a box of tap cons at them and run. If somebody has, if you have a drink in your hand and somebody's coming up offering to buy you another drink or whatever, you can say no, turn away, and it's a blatant rejections in a bar are kind of normal. All right, I'll move on to the next girl. But in a in this place, they they can they can talk you up. They know things. And while I'm, uh, you've given me an insight because I'm now a little more sympathetic to the why. Maybe not the how, as you mm-hmm. described. It still can be skeevy. Because the hows can be good or bad. Yes, yes, and I've. I, you know, I told you about this earlier, Kate. I've been hit on in a very sweet way before where somebody's like, yeah, you know, if you want to talk about this kind of thing later, here's my number. That's fine. That's not pervy. It's whatever. But the problem, I guess, is it's kind of like being hit on at work. Yeah. It's not a bar where you're prepared for this experience or a club. It's like a setting wherein you have to be polite and you didn't come here for this. You came here because you probably had an annoying home improvement thing you have to do anyway. So you're already, in my case, I was already like Mm. annoyed by trip four. And you're just, this isn't what you're looking for. Mm. And so women are automatically on the defense or automatically just prone to look at this as a negative experience because it's not what we came for. Whereas the man is looking at it as an opportunity. Well, Sean, you said you were also going to talk about the other issue where we are not assumed to be competent. Yeah. So potentially they're connected where the opportunity that the man feels he has is because there may be a lack of knowledge or a lack of authority or a lack of competence in why the women are there. Mm -hmm. This is, I take generic tradesman A 
who's a carpenter, and you're in the wood section looking at two-by-fours, and you are a woman of an age category that he might be interested in, an attractive. Both of you are attractive women, so it's not unlikely that... I promise you when I go to Home Depot, I am not attractive. <laughs> well, now, you guys you guys say you frumpify yourself, yeah. but there's two sides to that. If you went in super classy, you would attract maybe a different clientele to these that, other people, but true. all you've done is made yourself accessible. Oh, no! You look like somebody they want to talk to. You're like that pretty coworker they might have had in their trade instead. Right, right, the laid-back one. They're the girl they hope applies at the job site. Exactly, somebody um, who they might be able no. to woo. Next time I'm wearing Gucci. Yeah. <gasps> Probably the only thing you could do is wear a nun's habit or some religious garb that make you, like, totally unaccessible. Ah. <sighs> That's or it. a chastity belt with a big rock <laughs> on it. We'll get the one. And then they're like, "We'll go to the tights. power tool section. We can fix this." <laughs> the chastity oh my belt for men in tights. The um... honey, I, I've got the right tools to cut that off. Oh no! <laughs> oh, you've opened yourself to a whole nother can. <laughs> He's like, I, "We can fix this. <laughs> you look like you need help." I'm a locksmith. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the trade I'm looking for, honey. Oh my god. So. Next time I go to Home Depot, though, I mean, I could get a nun's habit. I, it's Halloween about to be, so I can go, just go buy one. And every Vampire time I pull, you can be the nun, I'll be a monk, and we'll yes. just hit up the hardware section. It'll be great. Yes. <laughs> that, or, like, maybe I should just, like, overdress, like, really, really expensive, unapproachable clothing. Dripping and Gucci. Yeah, but the problem <laughs> is every time I go to Home Depot, like, I'm picking up Cinder blocks. Cinder blocks or soil or plants, and I'm going Please to get dirty. do that in spike heels. I beg you. No. You could do it, but then you can wear the, um, what's the name of the movie? American Psycho, like uh, yes. well, like you just cut up a body. That's a, that's another way you can oh do it. Oh, my God. I could cover myself in fake, fake blood. Fake blood. Yes. Another option. Yes. Halloween. Just, just Halloween opens up so many opportunities. 100% carry as you walk yes. in there and just meet everybody's eye. Just look yeah. everyone in the eye <laughs> the entire time. Like, what? I, I think that, like... And buy a tarp and duct tape. <laughs> and oh, maybe an axe. God, I know yes. what we're doing this weekend. <laughs> but It'd I be think... good photos for the Instagram. <laughs> it would be. I, I think that maybe something I would like to impart somehow is that unless I'm asking for help, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah, that's the... It's not like we go to Publix and we watch men shopping for, like, meat, and they're, like, buying London broil, and we're like, how are you going to prepare that? W- what you working with? You got a slow cooker? Sure you or... get a ribeye? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Like... What kind of seasons are you thinking about? I usually prefer 350 for eight hours. <laughs> Just whisper that in the guy's ear as you walk well, past Well, if you said that sort of thing to them... In an attempt to garner their interest, I think you will have successfully garnered it. Damn it. So that's the difference. It's a there's a dichotomy here. Yeah, there is. So you guys were saying, how do we avoid the men coming and talking to us? And it's not entirely fair, is if for the guys who do it like the right way, because mm-hmm. you are in a situation where they do feel comfortable. And honestly, our I think that the solution to this, and I think we talked about this previously, is just an open dialogue. You know, very clear. You say. Sir, I'm not interested. Thank you. And then they turn the fuck away and walk away. Yeah. If that was successful, then you wouldn't mind getting people because it's kind of a 
confidence boost for you, I assume. No. No. Not Actually, at all. no. It makes me so uncomfortable. Super really? uncomfortable. Yeah. Not a confidence boost. I, I mm. don't need that validation. Well, I guess yeah. men often like that validation when <laughs> women say that they're attractive or something like that. Especially if they say it and then they walk away, away very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's it's... When it's attached to a request for more attention, that's when it's not validating. The produce guy at my Publix, every time I'm in there, says, you look beautiful today. Aww. And he's around my age, but it doesn't ever, it's never attached to, like... It's there's the way nothing he says left. It. Yeah, there's nothing like a, there's no demand. There's no like this is payment for I would like to go out with you. You know, it's just he's telling me I look beautiful today. Very genuine. And yeah. it's really nice. And that is that is validating. Yeah, because getting a compliment like that wouldn't make me uncomfortable. It's not validating to me to shut someone down. Mm. You guys having to shut someone down. Exactly. Yeah. So the thing is, guys are going to try to get your interest if they're interested in you. And they have the confidence. But like, stop. I know, but like, is it, so is it fair? Like, how would anybody ever get a mate? This is true. But it's you know Home Depot. I mean? <laughs> so, so here's a question. Uh, and I think you guys can talk about the popular media aspect of this. But when is appropriate? When you have a sign that says, I'm interested in solicitations today. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? You know, you're not, yeah. you're not wrong because no, you're not. I've had this same conversation with people about if I'm sitting on a train, don't talk to me. And if I'm sitting on a, you know, in a coffee shop with my headphones in, I don't, well, headphones in, I think we can all agree, means don't talk to me. I don't want you to Universal. talk to me. Universal. Or I'm at the gym. I don't want to be hit on. I don't, I mean, it sounds like I'm Running out of options. Yeah. And so, but I'm also married, so I don't want to be hit on. But it's, when is it acceptable to approach someone? No. You know what? I think the new approach is, how is it acceptable to hit on someone? Do you also believe that there may be a um, cultural difference? In these situations where maybe your and your, I'm pointing at the two girls, <laughs> versions of this might be dictated on your past experiences and other women might have a different threshold requirement or a different level of aggression. Potentially, yeah. I really, I'm looking for feedback. At us on, yeah. <laughs> at us on Twitter, on please. Like, please ask us and give us your experiences. Because <laughs> it is true. You and I are very similar in the way we like to interact with people. On our own terms. Exactly. Or not at all. <laughs> Miss Andrew and Misanthrope, both in the same room. Talking to you at you through a podcast. That's our yes. favorite form of interaction. I, I want to be a disembodied voice in your car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah. it's true. We might be looking at this from a very specific set of circumstances mm -hmm. but i don't think that i'm i'm opposed to all male interaction ever it also doesn't invalidate your feelings of a non-comfort in these situations you guys felt bad you don't want that to happen again yeah. how can you stop that but at the end of the day like you could avoid home depot but that's a crappy solution well, or you can come up with a strategy to be in and out of there as fast as possible well, or we could find a strategy when we're in an uncomfortable situation, like where I was trying to get those cinder blocks, and I felt like I, I, I can't even explain how I felt. It was just not comfortable. Where I could say, no, thank you, and just 
just ignore them at that point. Like, well, it makes me think of, of uh, Georgia and Karen from My Favorite Murder mm-hmm. and their little catchphrase, fuck politeness, because... I found that I engage in the conversation beyond where I'm comfortable out of politeness's sake because I feel like I have to be nice even when we've crossed a line, even when the person is now saying something inappropriate or when I've asked, I've said nicely, no, thank you, like four times. Yeah, but in a sense, it's probably because you you are afraid that if you are mean you will be lashed out against oh yeah like i don't want to be an episode of dateline because i you know pissed off the wrong guy in home depot who follows you back to your car or something like that yeah yeah so it's it's a fine line so the two aspects here are one you're gonna encounter these things these people and uh, because i think that that's gonna happen in your whole life and in every woman's life and some men's life too um, and there's a level of acceptable interaction that if it's ended appropriately, then then that's fine and we'll write it off as I had the deal be social today. But then there's a line that is for each individual that is a universal don't cross this line of interaction because it doesn't it's not going to get you a mate and it doesn't make them feel good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. if every man follow, followed that guideline where they could ask, they can be nice and try and solicit your attention for a moment. But if it's not immediately followed up with the positive response, then it needs to be shut down. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they, they're doing a disservice to society and for the people around them. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of the idea we're no, talking I about? No, I think that's, that you just summed it up perfectly. Yes, and as we've talked about a million times on this show, the way we raise our children <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. kind of changes how the future interacts with one another. Yeah, we yep. need to teach kids to look at the body language somebody's putting off and listen to the words coming out of their mouth and if someone says no it means no no Mm. (laughs) it goes for everybody yeah you know but uh i guess we can close and say wait i had one technological solution to this situation insert (laughs) so so you can insert this it's uh it's a speaker that you wear on your back (laughs) or on your chest or whatever it's hidden under your clothes very maybe it's a type of clothing this is my super high-tech version of this there's just a button on your cell phone you push it and it emits infrasound in a radius of 10 feet to you (laughs) causing anybody around you to get severe bowel pains So that just, you just watch it hits their the face. Brown note. Exactly. You just you just you see their face crumple, and like you just hold up your cell phone and you just push a button. So they know it was you, as they're as they're about to shit themselves and scamper away. Any situation could be getting pulled over. Could be. It's the ultimate self defense. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Thank there we you go. for that. that Patent it, that. That technology exists. <laughs> Well, self-defense by anyway. Tyler in France. <laughs> that was thank your you, si- uh, that was your science plug from Sean. Yes, Sean Pierce. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You've been you, an you invaluable. So sorry, I'm gonna bring it back to this, but you should sell like the anti, like the the how to survive the situation. Oh my God! So you're saying that I can create a market for women and then create the counter market exactly. for the men and then I can create a more potent version for the women and we just have this arms race of not no, shitting yourself. No, but it also yourself. implies that men have to wear butt plugs. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, what you need is a butt plug that vibrates in the opposite frequency. So they wear anal vibrators to prevent shitting themselves, right? That that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know if this is something that should go be with. Oh, we don't care. Oh my god, we are testing the limits of our explicit rating. That's right. This evening. <laughs> I, I think that everybody who listens to us can handle that joke. Um, as long as they have the anti-vibration button. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you, Sean, for being with us in the studio. You are the reason we're not going to get... Well, we might still get called awful man-hating names. dragon ladies, but the point is, is like you'll go down with us, which is nice. <laughs> I'm a man-hating dragon lady, too. <laughs> uh, and, and a big thanks to everybody listening. Please follow us on social media at Twitter and Instagram at Tyler and France, F R A and T Z. That came go. out. That was rough. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.